Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. You can find us on Twitter at Mike Tagliere NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Tags, I saw a tweet from one of our listeners yesterday that they lost connection during a draft or something like that. They auto-drafted Anthony Miller in the ninth round. <laughs> and I meant to say this on the Draft Mistake show yesterday, but if you're doing a live draft, always have players in your queue just in case. Because this stuff happens and you don't want to let it ruin your season, right, Tags? Yeah, I mean, Miller in the ninth, I don't think that's the worst thing that could happen to you in a draft. Uh, I, I definitely have seen worse. Believe me, <laughs> there, there have been people that have drafted like Deshaun Watson in the second round. Like, that's never a good thing. Oh, man, yeah, that's <laughs> so, a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, so in the ninth round, that's like, that's like a dark territory. That's usually where I'm typically taking a quarterback. So I don't think it's that bad for you. I, honestly, I think that once you see Anthony Miller play, you'll, you won't be so mad at that. Sure. Thing. All right, so most of you probably know our guest today. It's Pat Mayo of the Pat Mayo Experience. You can follow him on Twitter at the PME. Pat, thanks for coming to the show today. Yeah, boys. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. So here's what we have planned. The whole show is going to be about risky draft picks. Some of them are risky, uh, too risky for their ADP, so you shouldn't consider them unless they drop a round or two. Some are risky enough that... Um, you know, they've also got high enough upside that you can definitely make a case for them. We'll explain how we feel about each of these players going around about fashion with each of us sharing, you know, four or five that we think are risky. So tags, I saw someone accused you of a hot take, man. Yeah. Um, on our show yesterday, I said that I would draft John Ross over Kenny Galladay. And I didn't, when I said it, I didn't think it was a hot take. I mean, uh, but I had a, I have follower tell me that it was the hottest take that he had heard all year. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? I was like, oh, so John Ross is the number two on his team. Kenny Galladay's playing behind two pro bowl, like wide receivers. I'm not sure why this is a hot take. John Ross was a top 10 pick. Kenny Galladay was third or fourth round. I mean, it, it just seemed like odd to me, but it kind of fits in with what we're looking for. We're going to do an episode next week. And we wanted to let you guys know that we want you to send Bobby and myself or at fantasy pros, wherever you want to send it, just hashtag fantasy pros, hot takes and let us know what your hot take is for the 2018 season. Bobby, I didn't think this would fall under a hot take. Pat, am I crazy for thinking that John Ross is a better draft pick than Kenny Galladay? Yeah, I don't think it's insane. I think you made a very compelling case to why Kenny Galladay may not reach those heights. I think people, when they look at talent-wise and they see like a complete receiver, they see more in Kenny Galladay than they do in John Ross, who at this point in time just seems like a guy who's running wind sprints down the field. But... To kind of piggyback on your point, like we're talking about volume here. Kenny Galladay may not outscore Luke Wilson on his own team. Like the range of (laughs) outcomes for him is so wide. Like he could be the highest. Like let's just say that all of a sudden talent wise, he's just better than Marvin Jones. I don't think that's the case, but it's not crazy to think that way. But at least with Ross, if he does stay healthy, you'd have to expect a market share on that Bengals offense of like 20 plus percent. There's no way Kenny Galladay is sniffing that this year. Correct. I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy to think he's going to be better than Marvin Jones. He was a top five fantasy receiver well, last well, year, well, right? He's, he's not going to be better than Marvin Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, I see what you're saying. He he does. Galladay definitely has talent right up there with Marvin Jones. Probably better. No. Like I, no. He's not better than Marvin. Get no. I'm, I'm saying talent wise. Like no, Kevin no, White has he, a ton of talent. That doesn't mean he's a good fantasy football player. No. 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 I'm going to argue this one. Kenny Galladay is not as talented as, Mar- as Marvin Jones. I don't, okay, I don't we'll argue it then. No, 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 Ken, no, Kenny, no <laughs> Kenny Galladay was not supposed to be drafted in the third round. Like the Lions reached for him. He was expected to be like a fifth or a sixth round pick. He wasn't like highly touted. And yes, he has showed off in a few preseason games. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that Galladay wasn't the preseason goat because he was. Marvin Jones has done it on the real stage over and over. And now he's done it with multiple quarterbacks and multiple systems. Sure. Ken, Kenny Galladay is just a hype guy right now. Like seriously, it's very possible that Kenny Galladay is like just turns out to be a nobody. I, I think that's a very possible right. a, a scenario. John Ross, meanwhile, I think people have forgotten he is not just a speed guy. Like if you go and watch the tape on John Ross out of college, he was so good. He opened things up for Dante Pettis there. So it's like you saw Dante Pettis struggle a little bit when Ross left because he was asked to be the guy. John Ross is is more than just a speed guy, and I think people are going to see that. I think the, the Bengals. I think you know, maybe Marvin. Um, <laughs> Marvin Lewis finally saw that John Ross can play football because he actually put him on the field in training camp. And then he's like, oh, I guess we can cut Brandon LaFell. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens there. I just want to say this about Kenny Galladay. What I was talking about wasn't like, hey, I think he might be a better football player. I'm saying athletic profile. Kenny Galladay is a better athlete than Marvin Jones. In fact, I was looking this up on mockdraftable.com, and his number one athletic comp, if you can believe it, is Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? <laughs> That is such a weird one. Um, You know, we've got this tool on our website called 
who should I draft? And during the season, who should I start? And if you go to who should I draft, just type it into Google and you'll you'll be able to see like you can enter in four players and it tells you what the experts think. And tags, I think this might be a real big hot take. I didn't think it was. I, I thought John Ross over Kenny Galladay was like, yeah, I could see 50-50 being that. 97% of experts have Galladay higher in their rankings. Only three of us do. It's me, you, and Scott Barrett. I like being in that company with you and Scott Barrett. So I think we're right on this one, but man, that I guess it's a hot take. 97% tags. I'm also going to guess that people haven't adjusted their rankings maybe since yesterday. Maybe that's like the lag here is because okay. before, I would have drafted. Now, here's the here's for real. I would have drafted Galladay before John Ross uh, over John Ross before Brandon LaFell got cut. So that did yeah. change things for me. You know, we're also starting our listener leagues up and Tags and I are both going to be doing a league. We're using Sleeper app, which is incredible, by the way. We'll consider you for the league if you fill out this super short form fantasypros.com slash listener league. This might be the first time you've heard of Sleeper app, by the way, but seriously, just take a minute to go look at sleeper.app and your mind is going to be blown. This is the sleekest fantasy football app there is. Beautiful interface. The draft board is great. They've got all kinds of custom features, including multi-team trades, easy custom playoffs, easy keepers, easy dynasty formats, rookie drafts. Everything is so clean and easy. And if you want to enter the listener league, fantasypros.com slash listener league. So, Pat, Tags and I were just talking yesterday about how Christian McCaffrey is a very safe late-round second, late second-round running back. Then it comes out right after the show that North Turner could see Christian McCaffrey getting 25 to 30 touches per game. I mean, do you think this means, like, he returns every kick and punt and he holds <laughs> field goals? I mean, it can't possibly mean he's going to have 400 combined carries and receptions, right? Well, it's not going to get to that point because if he starts having 25 to 30 touches weeks one and two, he's going to end up with, like, 60 total for the year because he's going to be on IR mm, for yeah. weeks. <laughs> like, well, let's temper expectations here a little bit. I was super bullish on McCaffrey as, you know, before the C.J. Anderson signing, especially especially after they didn't draft anyone uh, that looked like a viable replacement. Like, hey, if he can just get himself up to, like, 12 carries a game and then continue to build on what he did in the receiving game or just keep even with what he did in the sure. receiving game, he could be a borderline first-round pick. But, like, I, I start looking at that territory, and I just don't think that he's going to be a guy that ends up with, like, 350 touches. That just seems so insane to me based on his body profile type, the type of player that he is. That he's a guy that you want to get into space. I don't think that—I'm not saying that he can't run between the tackles. I just don't think that's the best way to use him in this offense. Yeah. And I, I do have concerns, like, with Greg Olson back and DJ Moore there now. And Curtis Samuel is mm-hmm. apparently fine as well. That I don't know if he's going to be as used in the receiving game where we see these games where he ends up with like 12 targets. Maybe he averages seven a game, which is fantastic. But I don't know if the upside is necessarily there. You mentioned like safe player, floor player. I agree with you, but I don't know if I would go out of my way to take him at the end of the second round. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be a little too early for me too. I just, I can't possibly see this. I laughed when I saw it like, this has to be one of those Tavon Austin things where they said when they traded for him, he was going to get two dozen touches in a game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is not this player. So if you see this news, don't be like, man, I got to draft him in the 14th pick now. Yeah, and Pat, I, I wanna, don't do that. I just want to say, Pat, great point on that. And in terms of Greg Olson, I think people are forgetting about how he was hurt last year and how he didn't have an, a major impact. By the way, I mentioned the stat yesterday. I'll mention it again on the show because it applies to McCaffrey and Greg Olson, I think, the most of anybody. There was not a single tight end running back combo last year who combined for more than 185 targets. Not one. Yeah. Like, uh, all 32 teams. You're talking like one running back, one tight end. Exactly. Because Kamara and Ingram almost combined. I think they did combine for 180 by themselves. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's just one tight end, one running back. And we're taking one tight end, one running back. Because there's C.J. Anderson's there. Um, You know, they did yeah. They did draft uh, Ian Thomas as a backup. So, I mean, I I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm... Definitely worried. I think he's just a floor play. I don't think Christian McCaffrey, I don't think there's any realm of, I don't think there's any possibility that he finishes a top five running back this year. I just don't. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to clarify that because I saw the news yesterday. And, you know, this next one is not exactly news, but I was thinking with Josh Gordon out, uh, who knows how long? I mean, right? We, we don't know anything about this situation. If, if we did, we would we would talk about it and we'd be the first people on, on about it. But I think we might be underestimating the type of season Jarvis Landry could have if Josh Gordon is out for an extended time. I mean, Tags, I have zero shares, even in best ball leagues. Is this going to be a mistake? (sighs) 
I don't know. I I don't I don't think so. I think Josh Gordon's coming back. So I think they would have signed Des Bryant or at least brought him in for a visit if Josh Gordon wasn't coming back. And I think this rumor is going to turn out to be true that Josh Gordon just wanted to get away from the whole hard knocks thing and that the cameras in his face just wasn't good for him. Uh, Pat, sure. have you heard anything about this? How are you feeling about Jarvis Landry and the Browns wide receiver core? Uh, I'm with you on the Josh Gordon thing. I think this is just a play, not necessarily to get out of training camp, but to escape some of the cameras and some of the media attention that he just doesn't want. It's probably not good for his recovery either. So Mm -hmm. uh, the best case scenario I can think of is that this pushes Jarvis Landry's ADP just up and up and up because people will think that Josh Gordon isn't going to play. And listen, Josh Gordon's not a lock to play by any means. We, we've seen him miss far too much time to think that. But I, when I just look at Landry, even in this offense, like well, let's just say Gordon's gone for the season and we start thinking back to, hey, what, what did Jarvis Landry do well? Well, he overachieved in terms of touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. And if he's not going to see like 160 targets per year, then he's not going to be super fantasy viable because they don't, the yards per catch are going to be like nine or something stupid exactly. like that. And when you take him out of like, especially like a Cutler type offense where he had no problems just checking down to Jarvis Landry every single time. And then you bring in Tyrod who tends to actually throw quite a good deep ball, but he doesn't throw that often. I, it's just because he's going from the Bills to the Browns. I don't think the Tyrod's going to start dropping back 45 times a game. So on a lot of these shorter routes where he could you know find Jarvis Landry for a four yard completion, like Jay Cutler would, or even Tannehill before him, Tyrod's just going to take off and run in that situation. So I just don't think with Gordon, without Gordon, that Landry's going to produce enough volume to make him a top flight receiver. Like I think right now I have him, I have my tier five of receivers. That's like 32, 33. Like he's Mm -hmm. fine. He's, He's sort of like the minor league version of Christian McCaffrey at receiver. Like, if you're looking for a floor, the floor should be fine. But I think it's going to be lower than in previous years with or without Gordon. And I just don't see where the upside comes from. That's a perfect way to put it. And I I agree with you. I mean, they've got Corey Coleman. They've got David Njoku. They've got Duke Johnson. They've got Antonio Callaway. They've got all these guys. And he's going from a perfect situation in Miami with really nobody else. I mean, Kenny Stills, sure. Devontae Parker, sure. But it's nothing like Cleveland. And Tyrod Taylor is going to throw the ball, what, 520 times? Maybe. So I I don't think the targets are there for Jarvis Landry. And right now, his consensus ADP, this is something you can see on our site. If you just hover over NFL on the uh, the homepage, you can go down under draft research, ADP consensus. You can see the consensus ADP from six sites, so all over the place. You can see the MFL 10s. His, uh, he's being drafted 42nd overall. In another site, he's being drafted 71st overall. But at, on average, he's being drafted 53rd overall, wide receiver 23. So when Pat says he has him you know, around wide receiver 33, that's where I've got him too. What we're saying is he is nowhere near as good as where he's being drafted. Well, yeah, just like sure. I, I look at some of the guys that I have ahead of him in that tier. So he's at the back end of the tier. I have like Garcon ahead of him, Crabtree ahead of him, Golden yeah. Tate, Corey Davis, Randall Cobb, Jamison Crowder, like a lot of similar profile guys in what you expect them to do, but with the opportunity for a higher market share and potentially to lead the team in targets, which Landry might do, but like don't forget, like Duke Johnson was playing a lot of slot last year too. And Hugh Jackson You're right. yeah. and, and Hugh Jackson's a moron, so they might just do that. <laughs> Yes. I'm so glad to hear you say that, man. We've got some uh, some mean tweets from people when we call you Hugh Jackson a moron. But oh, let, know, let, let that, me guess, sad Browns fans because I don't think they're like happy. I, who knows, man? Well, just it, it, this whole Browns thing. Like, I I hope the Browns are good. I, I feel bad for their franchise that they they deserve something nice in their life. And maybe after LeBron leaves Cleveland, maybe all the uh, the mojo gets transferred onto the Browns. But like people are like, oh yeah, fringe wildcard team, the Browns. Like this offense is devastating. First of all, this defense is better than this offense. And if they win more than four games, I'm going to be stunned. Four? Oh man, I think they'll win six. At well, least. Not, well every, everyone is projecting them so highly. Don't forget. This is the Browns. They will win. Yeah, they won one game in the yeah, last two they, years. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, Pat. They will win more than four games if they fire Hugh Jackson after like week two. Agreed. Great call. Agreed. Yeah. Otherwise, four games. Yeah, pro- that's probably right. I don't know, man. Seriously, Hugh, Hugh's got to go. Hugh has got. He will hold this team back. The worst fear for Browns fans, if you're listening, is that they go like six and ten, and they say, "Well, we improved, so we're going to hang on to Hugh." That's the worst uh. <laughs> absolute possible scenario for you guys. It's like a Jeff Fisher scenario. Oh, that's horrible. Those two guys, man, are so bad. Is he? Is uh, is Hugh Jackson like the homeless man's Jeff Fisher? 
<laughs> yeah, know. Cleveland wishes they had Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I don't know about that, dude. Jeff Fisher's still playing like 1950 football. Oh man, he's probably playing it on like so his electric football so game John right Fox. now. Oh, can I can I throw something out here to you guys just very yeah. quickly? It's on that sort of same vein of like 1970s football. That news came out about the Raiders, and that's how they're practicing. Am I crazy to think that because John Gruden is? I don't want. I don't know because we haven't seen him coach yet. But I'm gonna guess that he's probably gonna be somewhat of a throwback coach. That when we see his offensive scheme, it seems a bit dated. That all of a sudden that makes Marshawn Lynch a very attractive option. I love Marshawn Lynch anyway. He's my number one player that I'm drafting this year. He, but he's the guy um, I have the most shares of too. Yeah. Wow. That's like you're like the fourth person to come on this show and say that. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing something right. Um, uh, actually, here's the thing he, about Gruden. If you're if you're agreeing with me, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, if Gruden changed a ton this offseason, I could see him playing that throwback football. But I mean, Tags, what's the stat you had? Like he he doesn't do that. He never does. Yeah, right? yeah. People like Gruden. I think this is all a media ploy. Like bringing in Jordy Nelson, bringing in Martavis Bryant, having Amari Cooper. I I I I know that they say they want to run the ball, but I think they would have drafted a running back if it really meant that much instead of bringing in you know 30 year old Doug Martin to run alongside 33 three-year-old Marshawn Lynch. I like Lynch for his price. He's fine there. I think you could actually grab Lynch and Martin and you can, you have the backfield. You kind of just, you play whoever it is because there's rumors that that uh, Doug Martin's going to get more play than people think. Um, but I think this is a play because John Gruden, the last eight times that he's coached an NFL team, none of them ranked top 10 in rushing attempts. None of them. So he was never a run-heavy coach. Even looking at Greg Olson, the new offensive coordinator, uh, he's been, uh, he has never ever been a run heavy coach so I don't know where it's like these guys just changed and again why would you announce this to the world I think it's a play I think John Gruden has learned the media I think he knows what he could float out there he knows what's going to come back to him and I mean he talked about Amari Cooper catching 120 balls I mean we have to figure out which way you're going John Uh, (laughs) so I I, I'm I'm fine with Lynch at his cost but if he starts moving up into the range of guys like Ronald Jones I'm out He's ne- also never had the two strongest running backs in the world like Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin. <laughs> Doug, Martin's, D- Doug Martin may be like the worst player in football. So I'm not even concerned about <laughs> Doug Martin. That, 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 He's that. really strong. He, he might be as strong as Christian McCaffrey, which is really strong. <laughs> the, the strongest ever? Yes. <laughs> the strongest 5'10 guys in the world. Well, the, his, yeah. his next move is to change his name to like Magnus Von Magnusson <laughs> and get one of those strongman competitions. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, one more thing before we really get into the meat of the show. Another receiver I'm starting to come around to, and we just talked to, just mentioned him, is Jordy Nelson. I feel like I'm doing something <laughs> wrong here saying Jordy Nelson, but apparently he's looked great in training camp. No, no, no. I don't know what to think, Pat. What do you, what's your take on no, him? No, Jordy Nelson is washed. The best, thing that they can, <laughs> the best thing they can say about Jordy Nelson is that he's running like he's 28 again. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he uh, was a top five wide receiver when he was 28. But he also had Aaron Rodgers throwing yeah, the ball okay, when he was 28. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see, again, like Jarvis Landry, I'm just second-guessing myself on a, on a lot of takes that I've had the whole preseason, like, Okay, maybe oh. I did something wrong here. Why is everyone so high in Jarvis Landry and Jordy Nelson? Bobby, turn off the news. Turn off the news. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. I'll just stick with my rankings. I think they're fine. Stick, Let's stick. Re- no, listen, <laughs> the, the ability to adjust is fine, but you can't start. To, I mean, go down with the ship. You're going to be wrong. Be spectacularly wrong. That's, <laughs> that, that's how you win and lose fantasy football. That should gonna, be t- the title of this episode. Be spectacularly wrong. Love it. I love it, Pat. <laughs> but like, if you're going to win a fantasy league, like if you play in like a, I mean, people do this all the time, and I like best ball leagues i think they're fun but like at the same time like it's the same guy who releases like a DraftKings column and like he likes everybody it's like oh perfect like people start talking about these best ball leagues well i've drafted everyone i like everyone i can't be wrong like be wrong like most (laughs) most people that are playing are not playing best ball leagues for the first thing like people aren't doing drafts in may that's all industry stuff so if you're actually doing this to help people try to win their leagues it's one versus 11 other people in a head-to-head weekly format so the majority of people play and if you're not first you're last so we're going to talk about these risky guys and Mm -hmm. sometimes you need to reach sometimes you need to gamble on these guys because you need that upside if you're actually going to beat everyone else I'm not drafting Jordy Nelson anyway. I mean, that would mean I'd have to take him ahead of Jamison Crowder, and there's no chance that's happening. Oh, my God. So. He's, he's going ahead of Jamison Crowder? No, but right around the same range. Like, he, he if might, you want to take... Yeah, isn't that Hey, stupid? after hearing the 28-year-old comment, people might draft him over Jamison Crowder. Yeah. It might happen. <laughs> Which is nuts. Jamison Crowder is such a good pick. Anyway, guys, we've got another giveaway going on for our listeners, thanks to pristineauction.com. We're giving away a signed David Johnson jersey to one of our listeners, and what you have to do to enter the drawing is find our podcast on iTunes, 
subscribe and review it. Take a screenshot and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. Takes like 30 seconds to do. You can win a signed David Johnson jersey from Pristine Auction. And if you haven't used Pristine Auction before, you're going to love it. They have all kinds of items for your cave. There's definitely something for everyone. They've got hundreds of auction lots that end daily, and everything is guaranteed authentic by the most trusted sources. You probably won't believe just how affordable items are on this site. Pristine Auction is quick and free to register. You only pay when you win. And lastly, please make sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you their way. That way they can keep doing these giveaways for our listeners. That's pristineauction.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Tags, I saw this beautiful satin blue Dak Prescott signed Cowboys helmet with your name on it for the collection. I am not getting a Dak Prescott helmet. You have to get a Cowboys one. What are you going to do? I'm going to get the guy that belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's Tony Romo. Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, I... You don't like Dak Prescott? He's I know fine. I like Dak. I, I actually think Dak has gotten gone to the point when he went from overrated to underrated really fast. Uh, I think he's a he, I think he's a very fine NFL quarterback. I think he's competent enough to win a Super Bowl one day if they surround him with an actual football team. Um, but Tony Romo, he's he, he's probably the cowboy I'm going to get just because I defend him so much and that he's just he was such an underappreciated player. Pat, what do you think? Hall of Fame for Tony Romo? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, th- okay. I think you're seeing sort of you had like the one week grace or the one year grace where everything just kind of clicked in Dallas. They had they had the great season with Dak Prescott and Zeke in the rookie year, but it's starting to seem like Tony Romo was the one that made that offense go and made it seem a lot better than it was. So yeah, going to talk about how Tony Romo is better than Eli Manning, but I'd get in trouble with everyone from New York. <laughs> They'd blow up my Twitter. So I'm not even going to mention that Tony Romo belongs in the Hall of Fame and Eli Manning's not even close. We'll just move on to the risky picks here. And uh, what we're going to do, like I said, roundtable fashion. So we've each got a handful of players to talk about. And Tags, I'm going to let you go first here to kind of set the pace. Then we'll move on to Pat. Who's your first risky player? I mean, it's got to be Deshaun Watson. Um, that, like I just I just started a quarterback just because it's always the first position when you pull it up or whatever. And Deshaun Watson's the most risky pick in fantasy football this year, considering. And I when I when I went through my players here, I went through players based on their ADP. So you're not going to find a guy that's risky down in the twelfth round. This is not going to happen. Uh, Deshaun Watson being drafted as the number one sometimes quarterback over Aaron Rodgers blows my mind. You're essentially saying he's going to continue exactly where he left off last year, coming back from the torn ACL, playing behind the worst offensive line in football. The the, the defense is going to get better. They're going to they're going to actually want to slow down the pace a little bit with that offense this year so um Deshaun Watson just way too risky for me man man this I you know I was gonna write Deshaun Watson but again like I've done several shows I didn't write him down because I knew Tags was gonna say him like we were both so low on Deshaun Watson and I don't really know if he's super risky like I don't think he's gonna finish outside the top 14 quarterbacks like we've seen other you know Matt Ryan do last year when he was being drafted what number quarterback two quarterback three But I do think Deshaun Watson is a lock. Not a lock. He's got some upside, but he's almost certain to finish outside the top five, probably around seven or eight. And so that's where I'm drafting him. What do you think, Pat? I I disagree. I think Deshaun Watson's going to challenge to be the number one quarterback. But I'm I'm on the same page. He's just going to like, that's not where I draft quarterbacks. Right. Yeah. So like in in my quarterback rankings, I actually don't have Rodgers or Watson at number one. I have Russell Wilson at number one. And he, he is probably the best value on the board if you're talking about the very high end quarterbacks. You're seeing Rodgers and Watson going like, I mean, in, if we're talking about like regular leagues, like back end of the second round, third round, Russell Wilson's still going like the sixth or seventh. And mm-hmm. yeah. with that defense being so putrid mm-hmm. that it's going to, I mean, Russell Wilson was already throwing all the time anyway. I mean, he's probably not going to account for like over 90% of the Seahawks scores again, but you could see his passing volume actually go up. And just because they draft Penny and, oh, Chris Carson's a god, uh, it doesn't mean <laughs> their offensive line is any better at run blocking either. Right. And they're going to be behind in these games. Are they going to run the ball 45 times a game? No. So when you're looking at Russell Wilson, you're getting all the volume and you're getting none of the risk in terms of the ADP that, I mean, Russell Wilson's a bit what? been what the number one fantasy quarterback like two of the past four years and people aren't treating him like he's an elite option it just makes no sense to me this is the best fantasy position he's ever been set up for it is I can't see putting him over Aaron Rodgers though I mean Aaron Rodgers VVD is always like 120 I guess Russell Wilson's was last season and you're right things are getting better for him Doug Baldwin injury hurts but yeah his value is incredible right Tags no no Russell Wilson is my number two quarterback Uh, Deshaun Watson I have down I think he's number six in my rankings so I mean I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson's a bad fantasy quarterback I think his floor is there because the rushing upside that he presents but again I'm not drafting somebody based on a a, what was a five game sample size he played seven games he was good for five of them 
Um, he was bad for two of them. So it's just like his touchdown right was twice Tom Brady's career average. Yeah, his yardage wasn't even crazy. There was one game in there where it definitely was. Um, but his yardage wasn't crazy in comparison to other five game samples. Like when you talked about Blake Bortles towards the end of the season, his five game sample, he actually averaged like 40 more yards per game than Watson did. Just the touchdowns weren't there. So if you regress those touchdowns a bit, I know Bobby's talked about it on the show, is that if you regress his touchdowns to Tom Brady's career mark, he's not finishing with near the fantasy points he did last year. So he would have been the QB eight in those five games. Yeah. And again, guys, we're drafting. We're not drafting for ups like the upset. We're drafting for the most likely scenarios. Like does Todd Gurley finish as the RB one again? I don't know. I mean, but I'm talking about what's the most likely scenario. Like what can you predict? Aaron Rodgers is the QB one. Todd Gurley's the RB one. Antonio Brown's the wide receiver one. Are they going to fall in that order? Probably not. It's probably not going to happen, but we're talking about most likely. So Deshaun Watson is just way too risky for me. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a chance. I mean, there's there's a chance, like, I don't remember who it was that came on the show. I think it was Chris Harris, that he throws 40-plus touchdowns this year. I mean, he was phenomenal last season in five games, but that shows his ceiling. It doesn't show his his floor or his most likely scenario. You don't draft a quarterback that high if he's, if he's that risky. Uh, Pat, let's move on to you uh, for your first risky play. I'm going to say Kenyon Drake. Because there is a possibility that Kenyon Drake just turns out to be an... Like, everything that people are projecting onto Jarek McKinnon, that Kenyon Drake has the ability to do exactly the same thing. It's just we don't know the situation. Is Frank Gore really going to play that much of an impact? Yeah, maybe he does. Maybe that's why he was brought in. But if Kenyon Drake can somehow be used, even to... 80% 80% of what he did over like the final five weeks last year, he's going to be a top 10 running back. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, everyone, everyone's all worried about Kalen Blash and, yeah. and Frank Gore's ahead of him. Like, uh, Tags, what do you think about Kenyon Drake? Man? Yeah, Frank Gore is the only one that I'm actually, I guess, somewhat, I'm not concerned about his talent level because Frank Gore is, he's done. And I, I'm sorry for, for people that are Frank Gore truthers. I, I loved watching Frank Gore. He was just the guy that went on the field. He got his job done. He was a no, a no nonsense runner. I don't, I don't even know if I put Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame, to be honest with you. I just think that he was really, really good for a long time, but I don't know if he was ever like, uh, I would never have considered him a top three running back in the game, like at any point. That's true, um, yeah. So the thing is, but this is not that conversation. What I'm saying is that Frank Gore, he's, he's guys, he, he's just, he's a guy that's going to get you three yards at a pop, maybe four yards, five yards here and there. He's not the type of player that you can use on this offense that has a bad offensive line that has uh, the defense. They lost some players in defense. Their secondary is starting to turn around a little bit, but they're they're not going to be a great defense. So they're not going to they're not going to be in the lead very often in games. So they're not going to have Frank Gore grinding out games like they did in San Francisco. It's the reason that Frank Gore wasn't good in Indianapolis, guys. Kenyon Drake showed that he could play behind this offensive line. He knows the offense. I'm not worried about Drake, but but Pat, you're absolutely right. You, you are absolutely right. He is risky because why do you sign Frank Gore if you're not going to bring him in to at least carry the ball eight to ten times a game? That's Or on the goal line. That's my concern. That's my only concern. But Kenyon Drake's the superior player, which is why I'll take him as like a, a back-end RB2. But I think they're definitely, you're right, there is risk there. Maybe Kenyon Drake hates the snow like the rest of us, and they just signed Frank Gore for that one snow game. Like, you know, the reason the Bills drafted Josh Allen for that one snow game every, like, five years? And uh, they just signed Frank Gore so that if it snows, he can run the ball 40 times. Otherwise, he just, you know, uh, well, gets a goal line It's Miami, so I don't think they have to worry about it at home for home games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. Um, yeah, I agree that Kenyon Drake is risky, but man, he was so good. I mean, everyone's talking about how good Jay Ajayi is, which is wrong. He was so inefficient last year. He was fine behind the Eagles offensive line, but Kenyon Drake came in and he was a ton better than Jay Ajayi. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're drafting him in the first, second round this time next year I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's not being drafted at all though yeah that's that's very true and that's why I think it was a great pick by Pat yeah all right guys I'm going to get to my first pick here in just a second but first I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's show Vivid Seats you can follow your fantasy team while you're at the game the best place to follow your fantasy lineup on Sundays this year is at the stadium cheering on your favorite team while keeping tabs on your fantasy team with the help of Vivid Seats Vivid Seats can help you get tickets to watch your favorite NFL team at a great price. To make it even better, Vivid Seats is offering Fantasy Pros podcast listeners an exclusive discount. Enter the promo code FANTASYPROS 
Shows, one word, for 10% off your first ticket order with Vivid Seats. Go to vividseats.com or download their app, which is awesome, by the way. Preseason and regular season tickets are now available, and the season officially starts Thursday, September 6th, when the Falcons head to Philadelphia to clash with the Eagles. Nothing beats watching your favorite NFL team notch a victory while you dominate your opponent in fantasy. Be there in person with Vivid Seats and use the Fantasy Pros exclusive promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, to receive 10% off your first order. NFL, college football, concerts, and theater. Use Vivid Seats for all your favorite live events and enter promo code FANTASYPROS, first-time customers only, and offers good through the end of August. All right, guys. So the first player I want to talk about here is Adam Thielen. Everyone's drafting Adam Thielen thinking, you know, he's a slot receiver. He got so many targets. He's super safe. You know what? Their coaching staff looks a ton different with Pat Shermer gone, who loves passing to the slot. They've got a new quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins loves passing to tight ends. I think Kyle Rudolph's going to get more targets. Stephon Diggs was better than Thielen when he was healthy last season. In terms of points per game, Diggs was the better wide receiver. I think Thielen could fall off the table here. Pat, do you agree? I don't think he can fall off the table. I think that this, especially with Kirk Cousins, I think this offense will be efficient enough, but it's kind of strange to me like you see Kirk Cousins being ranked inside the top 10 at quarterback you see Dalvin Cook fringing on that top 10 marker you have Diggs and Thielen both inside like the top 15 or top 20 depending on who you look at and Kyle Rudolph inside the top 10 at tight end there's no way that all those guys can hit there's just not gonna be enough volume to go around for everyone and I think it might be Cook is the one that could fall back a little bit just as they ease them back in. And we saw a propensity to use a little bit of Latavius Murray as well and maybe not try to get so much wear and tear. But I like Diggs more than I like Landry. I think when you factor in, uh, I mean, he just signed his contract, so it's no longer a contract year for him. But even just skill set wise, I mean, his closest player profile is Antonio Brown. He's great at running down the field. When you think about the difference between someone like Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins, yeah, uh, Case Kingdom's going to probably take a few more chances, but the more efficient deep ball thrower is Kirk Cousins, and I think that's where they can exploit in this offense. If they're running off play action, I think Cousins to Diggs is the one that could come out. I don't think that the one is going to flame out by any means, but for him to challenge to be a top 10 um, wide receiver again, you, you can look at the red zone numbers and say, hey, you should have caught four more touchdowns. But like you mentioned, this is a different offense. Maybe they will use things a little bit differently, and I, if it was me, yeah. I would just use Diggs because I think Diggs is the better player. I think the most concerning thing here, with Kirk Cousins at least, is when you watch the tape and you see him under pressure, he is an entirely different quarterback. Like, that's true of most quarterbacks. It's kind of what separates Aaron Rodgers from being everybody else, right? And Deshaun Watson. so much better under pressure. Yeah, well, Deshaun Watson was, he threw some some real floaters out there that ended up being touchdowns. But yeah, he was, his stats were exceptional under pressure. And so maybe he does turn into that star, you know, sustains what he did for five weeks. Um, What I'm trying to say, though, is Kirk Cousins is, awful under pressure and this Vikings offensive line is abysmal Case Keenum had the third most pressures last year of anyone in the NFL and uh Kirk Cousins is I think he's gonna go way backwards this year with that offensive line. well I I have my concerns about the offensive line as well I don't think it's as good as some people think especially Vikings fans um now Adam Thielen is someone that I I own zero of right now and the reason I do is because he's being drafted as absolute ceiling guys he finishes the wide receiver 11 last year with 143 targets okay I'm going to, I'm going to, here's a stat for you guys out there. This is not the stat of the day. I have a good one today. Um, but the stat of the day here is that there were not two wide receivers on any team in the NFL last year who saw more than 107 targets apiece. None. There were, there, there weren't two teammates that had 108 or more targets last year. So therefore, are you saying that Adam Thielen's going to see his 110 or 120 plus targets, 140 that he did last year, and that Stefan Diggs, the, the guy they just signed to a giant contract extension, isn't? No. Stefan Diggs is the better receiver. And I, I, He's a star, man. He's he, going to be a star. He could be the next Antonio Brown. He re- legitimately could. I think Stefan Diggs is that great of a route runner. I've been on by his side since before last year talking about him. Uh, I think the same thing at Calvin Ridley. I think he's a similar player to these guys. Um, so Stefan Diggs, he's my pick and you have to like land on one here because one of them is going to end up in like low end wide receiver two category. And that's fine. I don't think Thielen's falling off like completely. I think he's going to end the season with around 95 to 105 targets and he's going to finish as a wide receiver two, like a bottom end wide receiver two, whereas Diggs is going to take that leap into wide receiver one territory. All right, Tags, let's move on to your second risky player. It's got to be Jerick McKinnon for me. Um, going through that yeah. and finding players, um, you know, I, I, when we're, we're playing fantasy football, we have to play the situation. We have to play the fact that he's going to Kyle Shanahan's offense, that, you know, a comp for him could be Devonta Freeman. I think Freeman's a little bit shiftier in terms of, like, his low center of gravity. Like, Devonta Freeman's underrated as a running back. 
Whereas Jarek McKinnon has consistently been very, very inefficient running the ball in first and second down. But the thing is, he's going to Kyle Shanahan's offense that has produced fantasy running backs, and it's it's working. Uh, they really don't have another running back on the roster who they're paying close to the money that they're paying him, who has the the, the th- three-down skill set that he has in terms of being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. But there there's plenty of risk here. He's been bad on first and second down. Jarek McKinnon has lost his starting job to both Matt Asiata and Latavius Murray. Now, people are talking about Latavius Murray now like he's a good player, but if you guys go back to before 2017 season, people were joking about Latavius Murray and that the Vikings gave him too much money on it. What was it, a two-year, $10 million deal? And every Everybody was laughing at the Vikings because they thought he was so bad. Well, that guy that was bad took over for Jarek McKinnon and made it into a timeshare when McKinnon was supposed to steal that job. Matt Asiata was the same thing. So I wouldn't put it past Matt Breida or Joe Williams to pass Jarek McKinnon eventually, but they've paid him so much money this year. I could understand why people are paying the price. You know who has upside? We just did a, uh, a sneaky upside podcast. It's Matt Breida. I agree. I could see him being awesome this year. There's also the, and I, I always screw up the last name, so I just refer to him as Kyle Jerzyzgurik. <laughs> <laughs> but you check. <laughs> yeah, sure, him. Um, he's just going to pilfer away receptions from Jarek in the backfield, too. And people talk about Jarek like he's this amazing receiver. When did people see this? Because I haven't. I saw, so I, towards the end of the 2016 season, I think the Vikings started to figure out how to use him as a player. I think they have, they, I think they thought that he was Adrian Peterson's replacement. And then they realized, okay, he's not really that good carrying the ball. So we need to figure out other ways to get it to him. And at the end of 2016, you started seeing them using him more in the passing game and like getting him into space as an athlete because he is a really good athlete. Uh, and then last year, he was obviously used as more of the receiving down back, whereas Latavius Murray took over as the one, two guy. But, uh, I think that he's a fine receiver, but the question is, though, Pat, Jimmy Garoppolo was not targeting running backs towards the end of last year, and you know they they obviously didn't have Dante Pettis, they didn't have Pierre Garçon healthy, George Kittle was playing limited snaps, so are we overhyping Jarek McKinnon and the role he's going to have in this offense? I mean, if he can, definitely if he can be the prime workhorse role, then he's going to be challenging a top five running back. It just I don't think that anyone thinks that's going to happen. Like, I, yes, I would much rather like you mentioned, I'd rather much take Matt Breda in the 13th round and just see if that works out. And rather than spending draft capital on Jarek, he's going too high. Yeah, way too high for me. And uh, oh, man, I just the whole argument that because he spent a lot of they spent a ton of money on him, he's got to be a workhorse. No, they spent a ton of money on him because they think he's their best running back. That doesn't mean he's going to be a bell cow running back. Plus, it's Kyle Shanahan. Does he do that? Did he let Devontae Freeman run the ball 350 times? No, he didn't. And Jerk McKinnon is not going to be that guy either. So stop expecting that. It's it's That's not who he is. Like, e- even in my rankings right now, like, I have Freeman over Jarek. Like, I think that Freeman's just a better pick. He's a safer pick. And mm-hmm. he could potentially yeah. garner as much of the workload. Uh, and if Sarkeesian just says, you know what? You're better than Tevin Coleman. You get all the work. And he ends up with, like, a 70% share. That's, that's an optimal situation. And the draft capital that you have to invest in Freeman is not the same as Jarek. Like, it's, it's kind of... People just love a new situation. When you talk about draft capital, like the Giants taking Barkley number two, that's real draft capital. I mean, he's going to end up being the workhorse there. God forbid, like Jonathan Stewart gets involved. But when you start talking about like Sony Michelle and Penny, like back end first round picks, I don't think that necessarily means they're the guys touching the ball. That just means yeah. you, you move up. What's a running back shelf life? Uh, five years, yeah, six roughly. years? Well, if you get them in the first round, you get them on a five-year deal. That just might be the savvy move to take back-end first-round running backs to lock them up so you never have to pay them. Yep. Yeah, that's a really interesting call. I, w- I wonder if that's what the Seahawks and Patriots were doing. because I remember tags and I just throwing her hands up like, what is going on here? This is stupid. <laughs> But yeah, make, that makes sense. I mean, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to make decisions to help their team win. So I'm sure it was a, a better decision than tags and I would have made, but it made me question. I could make a better decision um, than the Seahawks made. I, I, I yeah, stand by yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you this, Pat. Let's say that you're picking around, you know, 20. Okay. AJ Green's gone. Devontae Adams is gone. Devontae Freeman was just picked. So you're looking at Christian McCaffrey, Jarek McKinnon. Doug the Baldwin. total question mark. Is, <laughs> what's that? Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Oh. Wow, Doug Baldwin's being taken at 31? Because I was I was going to mention all these guys, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Jordan Howard, maybe even Joe Mixon. But yeah, I'm taking jo- Doug Baldwin there too. But now with the injury, I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, it, it's risky, but I think a lot of this has to do, and we'll get more information on this hopefully as it comes out. But if he ends up missing all the preseason, his ADP is going to plummet. You're not going to need to take him there. But like, I'm trying to think of like my optimal draft start. 
And I really like picking from three or four. And that gives me the choice basically between David Johnson and Antonio Brown, at least for me. And then it gives me enough leverage on the way back that I don't, I can still get Baldwin in the third, at least how it was going before with that wraparound pick uh, in the third. That means like I am taking a whole series of different guys uh, at that second round pick, like where you're talking about, but like, who is really going there? You mentioned like Gronk. Like Gronk's not a terrible pick there. Like if we're talking about risky players, he's a league winning player. Yep. He's a league losing player at the same time if he ends up getting injured. But th- those are the risks that you need to take in that spot. Like I'm I'm just like, where's Julio going now? Back into the first, oh, early man. second. Julio's going so late. I can't believe it. He's going 14. Maybe the swing pick at the back is the pick to have. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying is like you can get Julio Jones and Dalvin. But then Cook. your third, but then your third, fourth round picks suck. Like seriously, like this, it, like once you get like four picks into the third round, it sucks. It's just dirty. No, no, like, no, I no, feel no. dirty. You, you got Alex Collins. No, you, you can got get Rex you can get Stephon Diggs and Sony Michelle, man. Wait, you would take Burkhead? The Wait, three, did you four? just say Rex Burkhead in the third? I know Rex Burkhead like the beginning. I mean, you can get him in the sixth. But oh yeah, that's I was. Oh, okay. no, I just wanted to make sure. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this like, is oh, hot take. If you're fearful at that turn, because Rex Burkhead's gonna start getting some helium here. For sure, he's, he he's is. A, he's, a better, he's a better pick than Sony Michelle, who's probably terrible. Oh, and he's playing no, in the slot, didn't. right? Oh no, you didn't. Oh wow, <laughs> he did not come on our show and just say Sony Michelle's terrible. We need to fight him. We need to wrestle. <laughs> you got. You guys. Who did really we have wanna, on yesterday? Yeah. Uh, you guys really want to fight me? Really? I don't want to fight anybody. I just want to talk football. But seriously, Sony Michelle, do Cana- I, I, do, I like. Do Canadians I, fight, man? Like, even about GSP, fantasy football. GSP like, fights. The only thing to really fight about. Dude, I mean, we don't have guns or anything like that. Fist fight's all we got. Okay. <laughs> just don't touch okay. the face. Well, we will, we will schedule a fight with you about Sony Michelle. <laughs> well, so what, what do you, okay, where's Sony Michelle going as, as opposed to Rex Burkhead in terms of ADP right now? Uh, Sony Michelle is ADP 57 consensus. Let's see, Rex Burkhead. Which is way too something. low, by the way. It's like 30, 20 picks too low. Rex Burkhead. I think you could draft both of them, to be honest with you. And that, I'm, why, like, why, I've said why, that why, and start why, why would you want to start both of them? Because like, they're hey. both going to have fantasy. I think no, they're both going to finish his top 36 options every week. It's kind of like Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead last year. Oh, no, no, man. Like, so Sony Michelle, listen, he could be great, but I think you're inheriting a whole lot of risk in that scenario <laughs> with Sony Michelle. The fact they made. There's a lot of risk. At least with Burkhead, he's going to play the slot while Edelman's out. He's going to have his defined role. We even saw him be basically their goal line back last year in a situation where he really shouldn't have been. And I don't think that's going to change all that much. I think they use him more as a wide receiver than anything. And I, Good. I, and that's I great. Think and that's sl- that's I think he's the slot guy. I think Sony Michelle gets double-digit touchdowns. I, I I would say Sony Michelle is one of the five most likely people to get double-digit rushing touchdowns. Well, Sony Michelle, so here's the thing. The, he, the Patriots Michelle, every single year are first by a ton in goal line carries, and they drafted Sony Michelle in the first round to be their goal line back. Well, he's, we, don't know, we don't know if he's, they drafted him to be the goal line back. That's what you're projecting him to be. Well, he, yeah, he's, you, you want to say bigger than everybody else. You want to say, you know what the Patriots are going to do? Oh yeah. There's no chance. There's no <laughs> chance that I know, but like, well, Sony Michelle, man. on to be fair, Sony Michelle is being drafted around the likes of Dion Lewis, Marshawn Lynch and Tevin Coleman. I don't think that's investing a whole lot in him. I mean, you have Rex Burkhead going as the RB 33. Sony Michelle is the RB 25. It's not, a, it's not a huge disparity, but what I'm saying is by drafting both of them, you are locked in. You are going to have an RB1 every week, and you're going to learn who it is relatively quickly. I, I, I truly believe that. I don't think Burkhead's the guy who they want to carry the ball 17 times a game because he played well, extremely well in his role last year, but they yeah. did give that role to Deion Lewis because I think they know what and they And then have. James White in the playoffs. Right. It, well, yeah, James White. I don't even want to talk about James White. Like, I, I'm, I felt like he was such a good sleeper last year, but it didn't pan out. But, uh, uh, but seriously, someone is going to produce of these two, Michelle or it's Michelle or Burkhead. Uh, I'm okay with both of them, honestly. I think Burkhead's going to be a flex play. I think Sony Michelle could be an RB two. I see. I think I think that Burkhead's going to end up outscoring Sony Michelle by the end of the year. So the the whole thing is like we were talking about Christian McCaffrey right off the top, and no, he's not going to get 30 touches a game. But if he just does what he did last year, he'll be fine. You're looking at Rex Burkhead in a very similar role. If we project him to be a larger piece of the passing game than the rushing game, then you're looking at like five to nine carries a game for Burkhead. Hopefully he gets some high leverage ones, or at least is a part of these packages around the goal line. Plus he's going to be on the field a lot as a receiver. So if he can start averaging like seven or let's say six to eight targets a game, carry the ball five to eight times a game, he's going to average around like 16 touches a game. And then all of a sudden he's highly viable. That's really useful. 
Like, I don't think that he's ever going to get 17 carries a game. I agree with you on that. But I think his path to fantasy success is not that way anyway. It's being a massive part of the receiving game while still being used out of the backfield as well. Since you guys brought it up, we've talked a lot about Christian McCaffrey and Duke Johnson. They've both come up. So I wanted to throw something at you guys. Like, my boom bust and everything in between series is starting on Monday. Um, But so just as a – this is a (laughs) – I put this down. I wanted to share it with you guys. Christian McCaffrey was an RB2 56.3% of the time. Duke Johnson was an RB2 62.5% of the time. And he did that with two and a half less carries per game than Christian McCaffrey. Rex Burkhead was actually 60%. So he was actually better than Christian McCaffrey last year uh, in terms of RB2 performances. So, um, yeah, I... I think that finding guys like Burkhead late in the drafts are awesome. I think they're they're great for your team. As we mentioned with McCaffrey, he's just like a he's he's got more upside, I think, than those guys because he's got potential for more touches. But I think they signed CJ Anderson for a reason. I think that they know what they have in Christian McCaffrey. Um and I, I don't think he's getting 200 carries. I don't think it happens. And Cam Newton's a goal line back, the best in the NFL. Yep. So, um, Tags, you said that Sonny Michelle's going running back 25. Not in my leagues. I'm taking him running back 16. Um, <laughs> let's move on, though. Pat, who's your second risky player you want to talk about? I mean, I have a few that are going through. I guess Doug Baldwin could potentially be one of them now with this mm-hmm. injury. We never really got yeah. into that. But, like, I'm still, like, I will risk because especially because he's not going to go and if the if it continues that he misses all of preseason and maybe he's ready for week one, you do have the risk of him having knee surgery at some point or missing extended periods of time, which I think makes Jaron Brown a really nice late round pick. Not so much Brandon Marshall or Tyler Lockett. I think Mar- Marshall's washed. Lockett has his role. Jaron Brown is actually someone that could really, really benefit if Baldwin is out. But let's say Baldwin sneaks back to the back into the third, which is entirely possible, or uh, the beginning of the fourth round. Like, why wouldn't you gamble on that upside? Uh, you have to realize that it could be. Yeah completely busty but you could also have a top five receiver on your hands yeah you could I'm the only way it's busty obviously is if this injury lingers the entire season I don't think it's going to I think it's a veteran that doesn't need you know practice with Russell Wilson or learning the playbook they're just giving his knee a rest he'll be fine and I think he's got huge upside so I'm still taking him tags what yeah, about Doug you? Baldwin I mean that's like the end of the tier right him and Mike Evans close out that tier where it's like after that there's a bunch of guys that might see 100 targets they might see 120 130 like the Stefan Diggs the Allen Robinson put Diggs in that yeah tier. that's what I'm saying is just like uh, so I'm okay with Baldwin uh, to me it sounds like they're not really concerned if it was something really bad he would have had surgery uh, I think it sounds like a, a an MCL sprain or something like that where he would miss a couple weeks in the season uh so he's missing the preseason doesn't concern me at all he's the only wide receiver on <laughs> there who russell wilson feels comfortable with and don't don't tell me that tyler lockett's that guy um because i i think we've seen enough tyler lockett to know kind of who he is at this point um but doug baldwin's going to be the go-to in the red zone uh, i have no issue with that and as pat talked about this defense is so bad you should see the pass attempts rise again and i think we should see doug baldwin flirting with you know 120 130 targets and double digit touchdowns and a big thing as a part of the Baldwin thing, too, like maybe they're just keeping him out because, like you mentioned, they have a slew of new receivers in this offense. Maybe they need Russell Wilson to work with them. Yep. Yeah. Ross Tucker came on the show yesterday, and you know, he played in the NFL for a long time. He says me, this for me with Doug Baldwin. <laughs> I, I had a seven-year career. People just don't talk about it. <laughs> He said that uh, that Doug Baldwin's sore knee, like there's no such thing as a sore knee, like there must be something wrong. And so he loves Tyler Lockett. He says, yeah, we've seen Tyler Lockett who he is when he's hurt. We've also seen him who he is when he's healthy and he was electric. So um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm inclined to listen to, to Ross Tucker on that uh, just, uh, just a little bit. I want to talk about my next risky guy here. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize just how risky Alshon Jeffrey is because, yeah, he was great last year in the playoffs. He played through a shoulder injury and finished as wide receiver 15. The two years before that, wide receiver 41, wide receiver 54. And I remember all last season I was talking about, like, this guy's the worst soft tissue in the NFL. He's bound to get hurt. It didn't happen. I mean, I guess he did happen. He played through the injury. But I am just not so sure that – I think of the wide receivers with injury risk, Alshon is near the top. So I'm not drafting him at all. I was going to say he hasn't been injured since he started doing steroids. So that that really helped him out. <laughs> I'm always pro guys coming off steroids. They come back bigger, faster, stronger. That reminded me of a song. What song is that? Um, I don't listen to pop music harder, enough. Harder, harder, faster, stronger. That's it. That's it. I, my daughter listens to this stuff. I, I, it just it rang, it rang through my head as you, you were saying that. But uh, yeah, Alshon, he's someone that every time he comes up in my draft queue, even though I haven't ranked where I do, I never want to draft him. I, I can't explain why. It just I don't feel good doing it. He's one of two wide receivers last year who finished top 27, but didn't record 800 yards. Do you know who the other one was? Will, Will Fuller? His teammate, Nelson Aguilar. 
that just it just Ooh, it just wow. goes to show you that touchdown regression is going to hit them hard. Um, so yeah, so Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, it, it, he's going to come down the touchdown department. Fortunately, he's got a quarterback Carson Wentz who's willing to throw into tight coverage an awful lot. Um, I know a lot of people are pissed at Alshon Jeffrey because he. <laughs> In the in the championship game last year, he didn't score a single point. So there's people that are going to lower him down their draft boards just based on that because they have these hard feelings, which we told you yesterday That's not so to do. Funny. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I never feel great when I draft Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, if I get him like as a very back end wide receiver too, that's not bad. But I just don't feel great about it. That's all. His ceiling is awesome, though, right? I mean, he could be a, a top ten wide receiver. Just think about what he did a couple years ago. 2,500 yards in, in uh, two seasons combined, 17 touchdowns, 170 receptions. With Jay Cutler. He was awesome with Jay Cutler. And but if the, he's healthy all season. But the Eagles just don't play that sort of offense. Right, correct. Yeah, yeah, yep. It, and the thing is, he's not going to be healthy all offseason. So I brought him up as a risk because I'm not taking him, and I want to remind you all that he's a risk. Uh, Tags, let's move on to your number three. In fact, why don't you throw two of them on here really quick so we can get uh, four in each before the show ends. All right. So Derek Henry's one of them. I, I don't think that's a secret. I think that when you draft him, you know that you're taking on risk, but you're hoping for the upside that he can present. Um, and then the other one is Isaiah Crowell. Stop drafting him, guys. Like, I don't I don't want to talk about Isaiah Crowell. He's not a risk. He's just a No, turd. he's a risk because people are now taking him as like a top 30 running back. Like top 32, I think, was the last I saw over the last. I looked at ADP over like the last week. Ever since Elijah McGuire went down, people are drafting him as high as like the RB28. Stop doing that. That's that's his ceiling. Stop doing that. Please stop doing that. Like d- I don't want to talk about Isaiah Crowell again. I don't. Um but Derek Derrick Henry is the one I want to talk <laughs> about because I, I think Derrick Henry, I think we all know the upside he presents. I think we saw it in a limited sample. There was one playoff game in there where he kind of went off, but he, looking at his entire slate of games last year, he was very I don't know, underwhelming, I would say. Uh we've seen flashes of what can be great. Um but this is a new regime that did not draft him to their team. This is a new regime that one of the first moves they made when they got when they got there is they went out and they signed Deion Lewis. So what does this really say about him? Like, I understand why people want to believe the dude's a physical monster. They're talking about lining him up in the slot. Don't don't try and feed me this crap about Derrick Henry lining up in the slot. It's it's not going to scare anybody. They might as well <laughs> leave him undefended. Um, but seriously, I. He, they could put him on the offensive line. I think he'd do better there than on the, in the slot. I agree. He's one of the he's he, he's like he's one of the the riskiest players in drafts. And again, I see what people want to like. But Pat, are you drafting any Derrick Henry this year? Or are you just is he just too risky for his cost? No, he's just too risky for his cost. Like you're banking on Lewis getting hurt, and I mean Lewis is perpetually banged up. So I mean it's not the craziest thing to think that it could happen. But like Lewis is just such a better value right now, and I think Lewis is a better player. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, a lot of people are going to come at you and say that's a hot take. By the way, if you want uh, to put some heat on someone for Derrick Henry, instead of going to Tags and I, you can go to Pat on Twitter at <laughs> the PME. Because uh, we're really sick of hearing, you know, that it's a hot take that Deion Lewis is better. <laughs> oh, than well, you see, you guys are just dealing with the football stuff. I still got golf on the go right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, PP people and golf is far more riddled with variance than football is, shockingly enough, that, you know, you can be wrong about a lot of things, about some really, like, if David Johnson doesn't get hurt, he's a top five running back. That doesn't mean that Dustin Johnson can't come last in a tournament in any given yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Pat. <laughs> I know. I know that we're not a golf show, but I want. I think everybody could appreciate this one. I've been so busy in football. I thought I saw something. Are Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson going to play that one-on-one thing? Phil says it's going. Tiger has not confirmed it yet, but it looks like it's on track for November. Yeah. I am so psyched. I will pay. I would pay money to actually watch those two go at it. Tiger's going to win. Tiger started to play a lot better, but I wanted to. I I know it's a football podcast. I'm sorry, guys, if you guys are mad that I brought up golf, but that's something (laughs) I would I would love to see. Just as long as Phil Mickelson doesn't dance. You guys saw that commercial. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty effective. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate Phil, but that 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 worked out fine. If people do want PGA coverage, the PME has you covered all week. Like I think I have eight PGA Championship shows coming up. So boom. Nice. Oh man, something about something about him, Phil Mickelson, just kind of reminds me of Jay Cutler. Oh I just no, like Phil's a good dude. Oh, have you? No, Phil's an awful dude. Jay Cutler's a great dude. <laughs> <laughs> have you been watching Very Cavalry by chance? Oh God, Jay's the best. Jay is awesome. He on is that so show. good, so good. I told Bobby to watch it. I actually, I only watched the first I, episode. I don't watch TV, man. I watch like the Cosby Show and, and Dick Van Dyke Show. I don't watch. No, I watched the How first. How old are you? Twenty nine. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, what is going on here? Um, no, but Jay, Jay, I only watched the first episode because I can't watch the girls like, like the, like his wife and the girls that she. I can't do that. That's just too much drama for my world. But Jay was fantastic, and I watched the little cut ups uh, of Jay on that show. And if you haven't seen him, check him out because Jay is everything you'd hoped he'd be. 
This was a detour I did not expect to take. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's keep moving on. We'll go two more risky players from Pat, and then I'll give my final two. All right. So another one for me is Tyreek Hill. Um, we mm, all yeah. thought he would fall off a cliff last year, and it just simply didn't happen. He continues to score all these touchdowns from long distances, and it makes a lot of sense because he's so goddamn fast. And can it continue to go with a new quarterback in place, the offensive coordinator gone, and now you're bringing in Sammy Watkins just to take away more overall market share from Tyreek Hill? I just... I have such a problem, and it, this is a true risky pick, an upside or downside guy, but the week-to-week consistency for a head-to-head redraft league just isn't going to be there. Like, again, if you want to play best ball, um, that's fine because you're going to get those big weeks. But imagine drafting Tyreek Hill as, like, your you know, your second wide receiver, and he's going to put up weeks where he has, like, three points. There's a lot of people drafting him as their number one wide receiver. He's the number 10 receiver off the board right now. I've got him at 20. Tags, where do you have him? I have Tyreek Hill at 15-16. Like, that's where I think he lives in my rankings because as a wide receiver, too, it's, like, it's hard to find guys that will produce every single week and that you know that. He's going to give you upside. Larry Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas, Golden Tate. No, it's not. Those are, I, I have- hold, on, those are, hold on a second. So those are guys that are they're, they're boring wide receivers now they're not going to win you a fantasy league those are those are guys that are not going to win you one but they won't lose it either so it really depends on how you're building your team um if you're if you're one that's risk averse do not draft Tyreek Hill if you're someone that is okay with the ups and downs and you feel like you can get stability with your wide receiver three or whatever and you can get Tyreek Hill as your wide receiver two I'm okay with that but again he's being drafted as the wide receiver 10 that is wide receiver one territory so yeah I will own zero Tyreek Hill this year but like I, I, I will Ty- draft Sony Michelle before Tyreek Hill sorry I, Pat go ahead I have Tyreek Hill at 23 at receiver like the, I think yeah there, baby. I think I think there's like a non-zero chance like Sammy Watkins blows him out of the water in this offense. I actually think it's possible too. um, But Sammy Watkins, the fact that it's his first year in the offense and that he hadn't had any experience with Patrick Mahomes just yet, that's my only thing that I think could hold Sammy Watkins back. Because I've been on record to say I think Sammy Watkins is the, the more complete NFL wide receiver. And that's a hot take to most, but I actually no, it's I actually like it's Sammy not Watkins a hot an awful take. lot. If anyone tells you that's a hot take, they're wrong and lying. I've been told that Tyreek Hill's like the best wide receiver of all time. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> of course you have. Seriously, I have. I, I don't. I, no, I'm, I'm, I believe it. There are people <laughs> who, who think that stuff, right? Yep. No, no. And by the way, um, by the, okay. if, you, on, if you're listening and you're one of those people that tells me because Tyreek Hill is so fast that defenses can't contain him, why aren't you drafting John Ross as a top 10 wide receiver? Oh, that's right. Because speed does not account for, that doesn't mean you're a complete NFL wide receiver stop it stop <laughs> all right Pat what's your uh, what's your second one here I guess my uh, my second one here is uh, my main man gentleman Joe Mixon uh, I just don't think he's good oh yes <laughs> Pat we are best friends forget what I said about fighting about Sony <laughs> Michelle we are best friends now I, I get the volume is going to be there I get that he's going to get a chance to crack it and yes he was a rookie last season but the Bengals coaching staff is just inept so i don't think anyone's getting better by being on the Bengals. <laughs> uh, the, the offensive line has improved but it's still not great this offense isn't going to be spectacular by any means and i'm not gonna lie to you the offense looked a whole lot better when geo bernard was back there than when joe mixon was back yes there. they did that's right baby geo bernard was a top 10 running back when he was a starter by the way just I, I, he's going too high for me i'm not saying he's going to be a colossal bust he, i could be completely wrong but again hey i'm not scared to be completely wrong on things <laughs> But with Joe yeah. Mixon, like, this is more of just me evaluating and watching the Bengals' offense and being like, and listen, I'm no NFL scout, and I always find it funny when people on the internet are like, oh, I've really broke down the film. Some people are good at it. Some people just lie about doing it. Watch the <laughs> Bengals' offense. And Joe Mixon, like, you see glimpses of it every now and then. But I, I just don't think he's going to hold up as a 20-plus touch guy that's going to be effective in an offense. I just don't. He could. He could be the best running back in the world. I mean, I, I don't know, but he was really bad last year, and they've got Marvin Lewis, and Gio Bernard, I think, is going to get work on third down. Tags, you love Joe Mixon, though, so why don't you uh, have the last word here? I do, and this is this is this comes down to talent in terms of like like the, the player himself. And granted, did he did he play well last year? No, and I think that some people are are stuck on the fact that they drafted him so early in the fourth round, third round, whatever, and then he disappointed. Which I told you not to draft Joe Mixon last year, um, but this year I'm telling you to draft him. Talent meets opportunity, and and if there is a concern, Pat, it's about the offense in general. It's about the offense not being able to score enough touchdowns to be able to move down the field um, under. Uh, Marvin, jo- Marvin Lewis. I keep saying Marvin Jones, Marvin Lewis. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, but Joe Mixon's talent level in terms of three down skill sets, he's one of the best in the game. And like coming out, I, I, he was never going to be like the best running back in terms of yards per carry. That's not who he is. Um, but the thing is, the people that tell me that Gio Bernard, you know, played better behind uh, when he took over as the starter and his yards per carry was higher. Looking at it, Gio Bernard faced an NFL low and it wasn't even close. There was nobody within 4%. 12% of the time is how often he saw eight plus defenders in the box, which means the teams were legitimately saying, Gio Bernard, we're not scared of you. And that's so, a great so when, stat That's tags. what I'm saying. When you see a light front, seven or less in the box, you're going to run for more yards per carry. Whereas Mixon, it was double that. It was at 26%. So you can't compare the two. It's not apples to apples. But Joe Mixon, I think what people forget most is that he's a better receiver than he is a running back. Uh, so for Gio Bernard to take that role, it's going to be difficult for him because Mixon is a bigger presence. He should be able to throw a body in front of a, a, a blitzing linebacker better than Gio Bernard would. Uh, the Bengals have already told you what they think of Gio Bernard because they've drafted two running backs in the top three rounds since he's been on the team. So they don't want him to be the guy. They drafted Mark Walton to be the replacement for Gio Bernard. Mixon is the guy, and if, if there is concern, it's the offense, which is why I wouldn't take him before like the end of the second round, so I understand that. Oh, that's so uh, early. <laughs> end of second, beginning of third, I think he belongs in the conversation with guys like, wow. like Jarek McKinnon. I'll, I'll, I, I, bet you Alex, I bet you Alex Collins outscores him this year. I'll, I'll take that bet. Huh? Deal. Are we, so, so we, we going to do PPR? Yeah, we'll do PPR. All right. I'll give you the advantage for greatest running back receiver of all time, Joe Mixon. <laughs> All right, here's what it comes down to. If Tags is right, America is better than Canada. Can't we just do this for money? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll just, John, take that part out. All right, hold on. Yeah, leave that part right. in, John. <laughs> Actually, Kai Clinton's the one doing this podcast. Nice. Today, so. We'll keep it all in. Shout out, shout out, Clinton, shout out everybody. <laughs> all right, my final two players is number one, Alex Collins. It's really funny that you brought him up. I mean, I think Alex Collins is fine, but... He's got the fumble concerns, and he's got Kenneth Dixon, who the Ravens love. Tags, I know you agree with this one a little bit too. So, do you want to piggyback on? Yeah, I almost put Collins on my list, but the more that the more that um, Kenneth Dixon is fumbling his opportunity, um, the more I'm kind of like a little weary of this because, like, so I didn't put Alex Collins on my list because I think he's becoming safer as time goes on. Uh, Buck Allen, obviously, the Ravens don't really love him. He basically sat on the bench the entire 2016 season, played in 2017 because Danny Woodhead got hurt, yada yada, um, but. And now with Kenneth, Kenneth Dixon missing time in camp, he's been away from football for over a year. Like there's just so many warning signs with Dixon that I just don't know if he ever comes back the player that he was supposed to be. Um, I had high hopes that he can come back into camp and like legit try and fight for that job. I knew Collins would start the year with it, but I thought it would be somewhat of a competition. Whereas like if yeah. Collins fumbled or if he had a couple bad games that he would take over. But no, I think this is Collins' job. So I'm actually coming around the idea that Collins is like a back-end RB2. But again, I, I would take Joe Mixon over him, obviously. I love Alex Collins. I just think he's risky. I, I mean, he was so good once he took over, right? Why is he risky, though? Like, I, I really don't think that Kenneth Dixon's going to push anyone at all. Dude, don't we think that the Ravens' offensive line overplayed last year? Like, played, like, over their heads in terms of the talent that they have there? I mean, uh, most of the talent is now back on the offensive line. They had one of the most banged-up offensive lines in football. I just think you're going to have some cohesiveness on that offensive line now that even with Alex Collins, like, when you see him run, I don't want to say he's Le'Veon Bell-esque because that would be unfair to how good Le'Veon Bell is. But you know how when Bell runs, it looks like he's running in slow motion and then all of a sudden he's just past everybody? Collins is very good at acceleration when you get to the second level. And I think that if you can get any sort of extra push or even a better passing offense and you can run and it's just the ability with Michael Crabtree there now and John Brown there now that maybe that helps the passing offense a little bit. I think it opens up a lot for Alex Collins. And the big thing is, whether it's Kenneth Dixon, whether it's Buck Allen, everyone's just penciling in someone else to be playing on third downs and in the two-minute offense. There's a non-zero chance that Alex Collins just becomes that guy and he fulfills that role. Agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's some upside there. I'm still a believer in Kenneth Dixon, though. I guess you guys aren't, but that's why I think there's some risk. My final guy with some risk, and this is going to surprise people, is Tom Brady. Tom Brady finished the season in his final five weeks as the QB 18 behind Deshaun Kaiser, behind Joe Flacco, behind Mitch Trubisky, who was throwing the ball like five times per game. <laughs> I don't know if Tom Brady's done. It happened really quick with Peyton Manning. It probably is not going to happen with Tom Brady. He's probably got 12 more years knowing Tom Brady. But with that said, it is a risk. And they've talked about, you know, he's had some concussion problems and everything. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a chunk of time or if he just completely falls apart like Peyton Manning did. I, I don't know. What do you think, Tags? Uh, I'm not drafting any Tom Brady. I think I think there's a legitimate chance that the Patriots know what's going on here, and I think that they, it, it's almost like preparing for it. Like by drafting Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle in the first round, it kind of signifies you're drafting an, a guard. By the way, Isaiah Wynn's not playing left tackle; he's a guard. Um, by drafting a guard and a running back in the first round, it tells me that they just want to run the ball a little bit more. Um, so I think that they're starting to prepare for the downfall of Tom Brady, and I think that as you mentioned, he did play well in the playoffs, and Brady's always been that clutch player. Um, but he, you did start to see signs of decline towards the end of last year. And, you know, nobody can beat age. Nobody. And he's proved, he's already kind of played beyond to where he should have. So it's like he's already accomplished so much considering he's already played past 40 and he played the way he did at 40. But we're done. I, I, I'm, I'm not drafting him. There's just way too much risk involved. I'm just not drafting him for the price that he's going at. Yeah. Like, he's still going ahead of Russell Wilson, right? Uh, I think so. Last, last yes, I checked, yeah. Yes, he is, man. That's yeah, that's nuts to me. I mean, don't hear me wrong. Like, I'm not bashing Tom Brady. I grew up as a Patriots fan. That's My gross. dad is from Boston. Yeah, I had a Drew Bledsoe jersey wore every Friday. <laughs> that's gross. Okay. Um, but the thing is, it's gonna happen eventually. I, Tom Brady's the most accomplished quarterback ever. But this is going to happen eventually. You have to get your your hands around that. I think Brady's gonna be fine this year. And especially because, like, when you look at the options that they have. So what's this offense going to look like? It's going to be a lot of quick passes, a lot of running. And you can still pile up a lot of fantasy points that way. But he might be on pace for, let's say, almost a Drew Brees-esque season from last year. Maybe slightly better because the Patriots' defense isn't very good. And that will keep the Patriots having to score. And they won't be able to just turn it over to Ingram and Kamara and just pound the ball up the middle because they're up by so much. And the defense can actually hold for once. So I think Brady just fantasy-wise will be fine. But you're going to have these down weeks where, like you mentioned, if Sony Michelle ends up getting double-digit touchdowns, those are just fewer touchdowns that Tom Brady's going to throw for. So I, I think there's a ceiling with this, and I'm not too concerned about his receiving options. Like, I'm not down on Gronk by any means. Clearly, I like Rex Burkhead, and a lot of that has to do with what his receiving prowess might be. I love Chris Hogan this year, but... It's a situation where, yeah, you still have to factor in that drop-off because of age. I don't think it all comes at once with Brady. Uh, like, when you see Brady, I mean, people mock the uh, the TB12 stuff, but, like, he's in fantastic shape. And the guy's just doing football all the time. And I think this offense has been structured around what his abilities are right now, and it tries to highlight all of that. When we talk about Peyton Manning and where he fell off a cliff, I mean, the guy had, like, five broken necks. Uh, Tom Brady hasn't really gone through that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Tags, you want to close this out with uh, stat of the day? Yeah, man? so my stat of the day, um, it's it's going to involve a little tri- trivia for you guys, actually. Um, there were three players who finished with wide, receive, wide receiver three numbers more than 60% of the time last year who are being drafted outside the top 36 wide receivers. So they, so they were wide receiver threes 60% or more last year, but are not being drafted as such. Two of them are actually going outside the top 50. Do you guys n- know any names like what? who you'd take a shot at here? Kenny Stills? No, he's actually, he is being drafted. Um, he was not, in terms of wide receiver three games, no. Overall fantasy points, he he would have finished there, but no, not consistency-wise. Ted Ginn? Nope. Hmm. So the first one's Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker was a wide receiver three, 61.5% oh, of the time. Oh, you're talking about guys who, like, miss some time, too. No, no, well, so, it, the, like, these guys have all played a minimum of 10 games. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's not... So, is it at least wide receiver three? Yes. Or is it wide receiver... Okay. At least wide receiver three numbers. Um, so, Parker was the first one. He's being drafted as the 37th wide receiver. The next one, guys, Marquise Lee... 61.5% of the time, he was a wide receiver three or better. He's being wow. drafted outside the top 50. And Mohamed Sanu... Mohamed Sanu, 66.7% of the time. So two-thirds of the time, Mohamed Sanu was a wide receiver three or better, yet he's being drafted as the wide receiver 62. That's a great stat, man. Those are really good. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy in terms of Mohamed Sanu. Not many people realize that, but he, and he does play a different role than Calvin Ridley. While Ridley's going to take away some targets, Mohamed Sanu has his role in that offense. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Pat, it was a a great pleasure having you on. We had lots of fun, and I'm glad that we're best friends now. Yeah, this is what happens when you hate Joe Mixon. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, remember, we've got a signed jersey giveaway from Pristine Auction. It's a David Johnson signed jersey. Go to fantasypros.com slash contest if you want to enter. And thanks to the sponsors of today's show, pristineauction.com. When you see what they have, please make sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you. That way we can keep doing these giveaways. And thanks to VividSeats.com. Also, you can enter the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for 10% off your first order with Vivid Seats. Follow your fantasy team while you're at the game. 
For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.